And welcome back to a tall glass of podcast. This is Jim here with Mike. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm doing swell. I'm doing real good. You staying warm? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, you know, you got to just deal with the weather as it comes. You, you can't be a namby pamby. I'm not going to like move down south to a warmer climate. You know, yeah, I'm going to stay here in Ohio and tough it out. I'm not going to be a pussy. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, don't do that. What are you drinking tonight? What are you enjoying? We got a nice little can of Coors. I thought I would stick to the old classic. That's that local brewery, it. right? That new craft beer. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, Infused with uh, with barley. Coors is hurting. All right, they're they're hurting like other companies as well. They need our support now more than ever. Um, and that's small business uh, that's Saturday. Kind of like, well, yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about today. So yeah. I'll lead you right into it. Yeah, we're talking about uh, the state of the American labor force in 2022. So, you know, just to, we like to always provide our current experience with the topic we're dealing with. And uh, yeah, so prior to COVID, I was in the Marine Corps and going to work every day in an office or in a field setting. Um, yeah, Jim, that's I'm going to cut you off real quick. Yeah. So, I, when you brought up labor, I was wondering, cause you, you're in middle management to upper management working for a bank now and Correct. before they worked for the government. So do you, do you know what labor is? Yeah. I have a, I have a definition here. If you want me to read it off. To Please you. do. Okay. Uh, My collar is not as blue as yours. So work, especially hard or physical. That's according to Webster's dictionary. So, <laughs> but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's all right. So, yeah, the Marine Corps is not known by any means to be a hard or physical line of work. So you got me there. Um, well, according but, to the movies, it is. <laughs> Go ahead, so, yeah, got out of the Marine Corps right around the time the pandemic hit. So since then, um, took this job in corporate America, a large bank, and um, I've yet to step foot in an office. I've been working there for about a year and a half. And due to the pandemic, um, even though the 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 offices are are open for customers to come in at the financial centers. A lot of the corporate offices are closed or at you know essential personnel only to be going in due to the the you know the virus. So um, it's been a very different experience for me. I think a lot of um, white collar Americans have experienced you know uh, a, a leaving the office and then working from this virtual environment for you know, what they thought was maybe going to be two weeks at, and then turned into four weeks and then turned into six months. And then, you know, here we are now. And um, I think that that has given a different perspective on the entire pandemic than for people who, like yourself, um, really there's been no interruption in your day to day in terms of what you're doing with your job and who you're interacting with, right? Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's it's strange to me because it's hard for me to sometimes sympathize with a lot of these people um, because literally nothing has changed. In fact, we've become busier. So I'm just doing more of what I was doing uh, as I am a service plumber. So I'm just constantly going to people's houses. I may have to wear masks, but besides that, I'm still performing the same amount of work or more. So um, question for you. Is it yeah, more? It, it, so you said your business has gone up, which I assume part yeah. of that is because people are at home more people like working in my shoes. So, um, yeah. Like the so they week. have to go home and they, yeah, so they have to go home and problems that they've ignored in their own house for years. Now they have to sit next to it for, you know, every day for eight hours a day. And that toilet that keeps running. Now they have to listen to it run. For eight hours a day and they're yep. just like you know what it's got to get fucking fixed or you know people are still making money from home and they're saying i fucking hate my bathroom it's disgusting i don't like how it looks remodels have taken off people are like yep. i just want to get this replaced i want to get this you know redone um but of course labor has stifened some of the manufacturing portions so we, we see some sort of supply i guess we're having some feeling a crunch delays. with your yeah with your supplies really that bad not, yeah. We really haven't. I think carpenters and builders have had it the worst because when you when you're dealing with large quantity of products coming in, raw materials coming in, that's when you're running into issues. You know, for me, it's it's more small commodities, so I'm not running into those issues as much. I'm a small time company too, but um, yeah, people are just remodels have just 
blown up. And as a plumber, I'm only one small portion of the remodel, but people are just now sick do of you, what they're looking at. Does it ever, do you ever get annoyed or like <laughs> resent someone when you come in and like, they have this big, beautiful home because maybe they have this yeah. white collar job where they make all this money yeah, and yeah. they're working from home now. Sure. And like you knock on their door and it's like noon and they're in their, you know, uh, sweatpants and tank top and they're like sitting down on the computer. Is that like a weird kind yeah. of dynamic when you feel like you're you know, busting your hump going around the Listen. community day after day? And because I feel like that yeah. going from the Marine Corps to corporate America and then being home and not having an office to go to it just it feels very like sedentary and very like right i'm out of the the grind um you know yeah uh, the, the working grind that like keeps you focused and keeps you um like hard i guess like like strong and tough sure. and, like sure, mentally sure, sure. in the game um sure. you know so curious what i don't resent, i don't resent those people at all not at all i mean honestly i'm one of these guys whatever. I don't care what you do. No matter how meaning, meaningless I believe your job to be, as long as you're going to pay your bill at the end of the day, when I give it to you, I don't care. I don't care, you know, whatever. Uh, and if you're not going to complain about it and argue with me about what the cost is, I mean, you can do that beforehand, but after the fact, after the job's done, if you're going to argue about it and you're sitting there in your sweatpants, I'm going to be like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm busting my hump. Right. I know there's a, I know there's a labor shortage. I know there's not a lot of guys like me. I'll walk out that door. <laughs> I don't have to be here. Right. I know that if you call anybody else and I've had this conversation with a couple of customers, I'm like, I'll be there in three weeks. They're like what? Uh, I'm like, you can call around, but I think you're going to hear that from other people as well. We have a labor shortage. We don't have guys working for us. Yeah, we and, don't have I mean, skill trades have always been a problem, but we have even less of that now with what's happened with the pandemic. So when people argue that it's it's uh, it's easy for me just to say, go find it somewhere else. bud. I got 10 people waiting behind you. What yeah. am I going to do? I don't want to. I, I think that it's it's a healthy kind of check and balance system that we're currently on the 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 pendulum is somewhat swinging the other side where the power of like the customer or like the corporation over its employees is not as strong as it was pre-pandemic because whether it's personal decisions made during the pandemic where people decided hey you know we can get by on one spouse working so the other one can stay home and actually like take care of the home and take care of the children who may be you know doing school from home or people just saying you know fuck this. I hate this job. I hate my boss. They treat yeah. me terribly. I'm out of yeah. here. And it's the same kind of dynamic you were talking about with the customer where these skilled blue collar workers and very skilled, you know, tradesmen type labor or other things are basically saying, you know, either individually or organized manner, you know, we're done and good luck yeah. finding someone to replace us. I think John Deere yeah. just had a massive strike. I don't know if you heard, about, did you hear about some of that? No, I don't think I did. So a lot of the blue collar workers at John Deere corporate in Iowa. Um, John Deere is garbage, by the way. Peter, if you're listening, uh, if you're listening, John Deere is absolutely dog shit. It's all made in China. Garbage. It'll fall apart the first day you use it. Jim, go ahead. There you go. Cup, so, Cadet, Cup Cadet is where it's at. Basically, these blue collar like warehouse skilled type workers were demanding to like the, the, the senior workers, like the baby boomer, close to retirement generation were demanding some changes for the younger generation because John Deere, a lot of these companies have done, have done with pensions basically, and now have, you know, the matching 401k option instead of as a retirement yeah. option, instead of a guaranteed pension. And they created right. like a two tier system for the people who got in before, let's say 1995 were on this plan of a pension plan. And those who have you know, since come on the Gen X and millennial group are on this, you know, matching plan. And um, they, that was one of the things amongst like a raise in pay and better, you know, benefits and yada, yada, yada. And um, John Deere corporate basically told them no, and they decided to do, walk out and, and go on strike. Well, John Deere then sent its white collar workers down. And I've heard mixed like reports, like some of it was like, they were just taking inventory to keep the 
to keep yeah. the numbers correct. But then I also heard that they were being told to actually perform some of the functions like operating a forklift or heavy machinery. <laughs> and it just like, it went bad. Like ambulances had to be called because, you know, where's, people. Where's Irving? Where's Irving from accounting? Irving, get, get up on <laughs> that forklift. We need you to lift this pallet up to the third shelf. I'm just thinking Michael Scott and, you know, in the office. Just, <laughs> we'll get someone to clean that up. <laughs> So I had a boss who used to, he'll, he'll remain nameless because uh, it's somebody we both know, but I had a boss that uh, <laughs> would tell employees that uh, if you had a problem, he'd say, I got a stack of applications. He'd hold his finger up, like, you know, to show like three inches thick. I've got a stack of applications this thick sitting inside my office. If you've got a problem with how you're working here. Now that might've been a little too abrasive, but um I mean, that's how I, but like, I, like you said, don't know if you'd be able to do that today. I don't know if you can right. swing that kind of power around anymore, but. Uh, and I think yeah, our generation uh, is, is more willing to walk um, and more like, sure. we talked about this before, but the, well, you, the concept of like, of, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think a lot, uh, um, I don't even know if this is, well, it's a, it's, there's a certain amount of courage in it, right? Like bravery in it that like. Um, yeah. I mean, it's easier to, there's more access to information so you can find a job versus if you lived in a small town right. before the internet um, and you pissed off your employer, like, you know, your, your options were probably fairly limited. Um, right. Or now it's easier. You could work remote. You can. So you don't have to stay in your small town, even if you still live there, you can look elsewhere. The internet exists and you can find jobs on Google or LinkedIn or whatever. But even yeah. still, I think I think our generation approaches things from much more of like a holistic view where we see work mm -hmm. as like part of our overall um, wellness and happiness. And I think previous generations looked at it as it's a job that puts, you know, food on right. the table. More for, of a utilitarian, you know, uh, yeah. relationship with their job it was just part of their it was a regimen you know um and and honestly it made sense back then too because the pensions were so good and jobs did pay better um like even adjusted for inflation jobs paid better back then yeah. the average working you know blue collar unskilled um you know like un you know, uh, secondary education job paid more. So it made more sense to, you know, put up with a little more maybe, or um, stay in a company longer because you had more skin in the game or it was more, you were getting more out of it than, than now with, I mean, minimum wage hasn't bumped in, I don't know how long. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely man. hasn't even paced with inflation. No, no. I, I mean, that's probably true. I don't know. I was getting paid 585 when I first got into the workforce and that wasn't a lot of money at all. I remember back back then, but uh it was just my first job. Like, like first real job, I was making like 775 an hour. Weren't you refereeing or something like that? Was that your first job? I used to umpire. Yeah. But that was That's like right. you, to you got paid per game. That wasn't like an hourly thing. Um you were like a, a mercenary. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Gun for hire. Yeah. I was a scab, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, well, I think I, what I've seen lately, though, to, 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 to speak of the labor force out there, like what I, I've, I've gone to like retail stores and stuff like that. And there does seem to be like an effort, a better effort by the people working there from what I've seen. I know these people feel like they could probably leave their job at any time, but I've seen some real effort um, just in my own personal life, going to like restaurants and um, um, so it's kind of a weird thing, restaurants and retail stores where these, these, I guess these people who feel like, you know, they could leave at any moment are still, still putting it out there. I was buying boots the other day. I only buy red wing boots because uh, they hold up real well. And uh, I was at a Red Wing store and this lady was there and she was like kind of sloshing her words a little bit. Like she was drunk. And I'm like, what the fuck? It was like two in the afternoon. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? I'm like, I know I'm drunk, but there's no reason for this lady to be drunk. <laughs> I, don't mind. 
I own my own company. And she's like really sloshed up. And I'm like, she's trying to measure my insoles and she's kind of like, just not, not all with it. And eventually she goes, Oh my God. Uh, you know, I have to apologize. I just had my second stroke two oh, weeks geez. ago, two weeks ago. She had her second, second stroke. I'm like, <sighs> she's like, yeah. And the, she's like, yeah. And before I can even say that, she launches and she's like, yeah. And, the, and it's not about my diet. It's not about my diet. I had a dietitian look at what I'm eating and it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that at all. And it's not my weight and I don't have high cholesterol. It's all hereditary. And I looked at her and I was like, so do these come in a size nine or <laughs> what, uh, what do I, what do I say to that? Do I need you know? a wide? You know what I said? Like, I said to her, I said, uh, I'm glad you're on this side of the soil. I mean, what else am I supposed to say to, uh, but there she was, dude, two weeks after her stroke, working at a Red Wings boot store, measuring people's feet. I have to imagine she's not getting paid a ton of money. I have to imagine her benefits aren't fantastic. But I have seen some real real effort out there from, from the people who are working. So that's kind of a, you know. What do you mean by effort? You mean that. just like they're working hard and like. Yeah, being... like they're, they're, well, yeah. I mean, and these are older people usually, though. I guess that's the the caveat, right? These aren't younger people that I'm noticing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, because we, we were talking before that. we started recording about the great resignations going on right now. And from what I've read about it, it's mostly this blue collar um, class. It's not a whole ton of white collar. And it's, it's a kind of a, a mix of a handful of populations like. You know, um, if you turned on right wing news months ago, they would have said, oh, it's, you know, these enhanced unemployment benefits due to the pandemic are causing people not to go back to work because why would they, you know, work when they can make close to the same on unemployment? And like that logically makes sense. But when those expire, those unemployment benefits from the pandemic a couple months ago, nothing really has changed as far as I understand in terms of labor force participation. So I do think. You know, it's probably a lot of baby boomers that decided to retire early because they're afraid of get contracting this virus or, you know, the, the money stimulus checks and all that helped kind of usher them into an early retirement. I think it has to do with a lot of families that decided, you know, their kids are home from school and, and, and taking school remotely for the indefinite future and on and off. And it just makes sense to revert back to you know, like our grandparents' generation of, you know, one spouse is working, the other spouse cares for the home and the, the kids. Um, and obviously that disproportionately has impacted the women um, because of just the nature of, of um, you know, family life bad, in America. A, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. I mean, it's that's, that's just what we decided to do. It works out well for us. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do like it, but, um, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that baby boomers and, uh, yeah. So I guess women at that point, hmm. very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. And there's also a lot of movements right now with organized labor, which is for me, um, you know, welcome thing, um, especially in like the private sector, because I think organized labor is one of, if not the only effective tool at reeling in um, corporate greed and like corporate, um, you know, ransacking of, of, of people's lives and, and outsourcing yeah. of, of labor for profit and all those things that have kind of like gutted, you know, I mean, we're from a state that used to be a booming industrial economy um one of the major contributors and it's it's largely gone to rust um in our state because of outsourcing and 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 you know prioritizing bottom line over over uh, american working and um, it's also made us vulnerable from like a perspective of like everything being outsourced then it's hard during a pandemic or another issue to like get 
things imported here. Oh yeah, I think now we're 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 experiencing what it's like to have chokeholds uh, across the Pacific. Right? Yeah, chokeholds exactly. across the ocean. We we understand what that's like. I mean, a pandemic. It's not great to base these things off of like what happened during a pandemic, but right. um, um, yeah, I think we've definitely understood what the problem is. We're not ma- manufacturing goods in the United States. Um, yeah. But man, and, I, I mean, I, I like to see. I like to see the fact that I know like Starbucks had its first store unionize um, John Deere. Um, they are, they already had a union, but they just, they won a major battle basically with, right. with the corporate. And um, well, like anything though, Jim might, the only problem that comes from it, and I'm probably speaking from an anti-union perspective. The only problem that comes from any of these organizations is when they become too powerful. When any organization becomes too powerful, that's when you start to see problems with abuse. That's when you start to see problems um, with corruption. Absolutely. And then you'll see it start to swing the other way. And I don't know if unions have in place a checks and balances on themselves to where, I mean, they're supposed to speak for their members, but we see all too often problems at the top um, that are not checked, that are not monitored. And then before you know it, the Teamsters are saying, hey, we're the largest union. We're one of the largest unions in the company and in the country. We're like the third largest union. We're going to run out of money in 2024. And you're like, Teamsters, how is that possible? You're the largest, you have some of the largest, the amount of people. How does that happen? You know, uh, and they had to be bailed out in the last stimulus bill, whatever they looped in the Teamsters pension because they, because they weren't going to be able to pay their pension anymore. And um, it became too big to fail. Just like, you know, the banks did from the financial crisis. Like if the Teamsters account was solvent, then they were going to. So I talked, I talked, yeah. Yeah. I talked to a gentleman who was part of the the drive and he said a couple of reasons. And he said, one, um, nobody wants to be truck drivers anymore where we have a, we have, you know, automation, not automation, but like we have a less people coming into that field and the pension system works is to pay as you go system. It's kind of like social security, right? So the, the younger generation pays out the older generation. Sure. So if you have less people getting into that job, then you can't pay your pension. The other problem is, is obviously their pension was, was wrapped up in housing in the housing market of 2006, <laughs> 2007. And like yeah. everything else, they took a hit. Okay, that's fine. But why are we treating these pensions that are governed by human beings and in which human beings make errors? Why are we treating them as rock solid as we are treating them as employees? Why do we look to our employer who is a person, who is a human being, just like me, just like you, and we say, take my money, take my money. I trust you. I trust you to hold on to it to invest it correctly, and then to pay it back to me in, di- in dividends. Why is it that we trust anybody with our money? I don't trust the government with my money. Why would I entrust my employer with my money? Whether yeah, well, you're someone who you're someone who values uh, the the autonomy that comes with making those decisions, good or bad, for yourself. There's yeah. a lot of people out there that would much rather. I mean, we've seen it throughout the pandemic they'd much rather outsource their to their boss, tell me what to do you know what i mean they hate yeah you're yeah. right some people love so much yeah you're, you're right some people want to be told so badly what to do they will pay you to be told what to do <laughs> i get it right yeah. i understand that that's how it works for and some i don't people. think most people understand don't. what what a pension entailed. Like they literally thought it was just like, if I work and retire yeah. with this company, yes. then I'm guaranteed yes. this money yes. for the, yeah. till the day I die as though like, right. that's how the military retirement is, you know, but that's, if you do 20 years, you know, under the old system, which isn't that old, but um, it changed, you know, in the last couple of years, but basically if you did 20 years, for the rest of your life, as long as you were living, you got half your paycheck every year um forever and that's guaranteed because the government and they can kind of do whatever they want but that's right, not the how, yeah you know, as, and they've actually done away with, they've done away with that because it was so um problematic from like a financials standpoint 
Um, it was yeah, costing the government so much money. And the government <laughs> of all places, which basically everything's fun money to the government, and they're super inefficient yeah. and just print it off like it's right. nothing. If they're even doing that, then, you know, you can imagine what like a for-profit company that's trying to maximize, you know, shareholder value is looking at a pension like, no, this right. is a, um, this is like a blood sucker, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. this is, this is right. bullshit. No, what we'll do is we'll match, we'll match your contributions into the funds that we choose that we benefit right. from as well. Right. I mean, working right. for a financial institution, it's sure. funny because like they're the funds my retirement are in is the funds that my financial institution owns. <laughs> sure. Right. So, right. you know, it's beneficial right. for me to gain money for right. them to gain money. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, but I come from it. I come from the viewpoint myself. I understand what the unions are for. I understand what they're doing. I understand that there's power in numbers. Um, but to rely on anybody is only going to get you, it's only going to get you burnt. It's only going to get you hurt, whether it be your co-employee, whether it be your employer. Um, don't rely on anybody. I mean, there are, there's strength in, 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 in numbers for sure. Um, but man, you can't fight greed. We've never been able to fight it. And greed is an inherent human quality. As much as the blood in our veins, as much as the air in our lungs, greed has been around forever. And yeah. forever. It yeah. cannot and... be, it cannot be, and this is something the communists will never get. Uncle Jim, if you're listening, you fervent communist. What people will never understand <laughs> is that communism is it's we're all one big kumbaya we're all going to look out for each other human beings have inherent greed they have inherent greed it's survival of the fittest it yeah. cannot be curbed it cannot be curtailed the only thing it can be is channeled channeled in a direction that benefits that maybe benefits the whole but it benefits you as well overall maybe <laughs> but it, that to me is is why unions, though good in practice, and they and they can do good, but eventually they 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 spoil. You live long enough to see yourself become the villain, and that's what happens to all these unions once they get strong enough. Well, yeah. So you you hit something earlier, and you just kind of recircled back to it. But the way I look at it is right now, and over the past couple decades there's been such a imbalance like corporations were so much more powerful than the laborers themselves that corporations got too powerful and too greedy. So now mm -hmm. I'd like the fact that organized labor is making somewhat of a resurgence because yes, I'm hoping to balance things out, but I absolutely sure. agree that the pendulum Although I don't think it will happen anytime soon because I think corporations still have a fucking stranglehold on <laughs> fucking ton of money. Yeah. Jeff Bezos sending Jeff Bezos is flying like eight million. And they fund I mean, they fund our lawmakers, you know, campaigns. Yep. Um, they'll never be legislated out of big decisions because they fund their their reelection campaign. So Right. But yes, of course you're right. I mean, I think of something in a more a less profit inducing area like education. The we didn't even hit on this in the last podcast, but the teachers union is too powerful. It is too powerful. And there's no corporate greed involved in the teachers union. So it's just a bunch of teachers that are basically like ramrodding whatever they believe is the correct way to handle um, education at like a federal, state, or local level. Like the National Teachers Union is very problematic in that regard. Um, Dude, the, the NRA, which... Listen, I mean, we're probably along the same lines. We believe in the Second Amendment. You're, you're ex-military. I love the Second Amendment. Yep. The NRA is deeply, is a couple of years ago, they were deeply, deeply corrupt because the money was just pulling at the top, just pulling at the top. Any organization set out with the best interest in mind, yeah. you put enough money in front of somebody and they're going to make decisions that better themselves and their own self-interest. Absolutely. And the NRA's done a lot of good. But the NRA also, what's that guy's name? Who's their lobbyist? That Wayne LaPierre. He was like taking vacations to like like $60,000 vacations. I mean, this is power corrupts absolutely. Money <laughs> is power, right? Yeah. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you said another thing too, like greed is inherent. And I think that's something that when you hear some of the ideologues and the academics talk about the correct way to construct society and social engineering, like healthcare for all and making things affordable, like daycare and um, college and, you know, whatever the case is. And we talked about this before, but you're basically saying if only the sky were orange, things would be good. And, and until you, you can create all these different programs and put all these different laws into place to curb human greed. But unless you can actually extract greed from the individual, ultimately they're going to find ways to exploit even the most, you know, whatever strong systems. Now, my, my whole counter to that though at the same time is, so I think we've established just like in the last podcast on like an individual basis, Michael and Jim, like when we're going through our life and we're thinking about how we handle things, am I not going to invest in the stock market because I don't like the fact that it funnels money to the most powerful. I don't, I, I don't like that, but I'm not going to set myself back because I don't like that. And like, if I'm in this game, although I would love long-term to maybe change the rules of said game, the rules are in place as they currently are. And I'd be a fool not to play that game to a certain degree. And yeah, but that's for your own set me back. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You're not countering my argument, Jim. You're reinforcing my argument. What's your argument? Is that greed is inherent and you're looking out for your, your own self-interest always. Yeah. I don't think I disagree with that. So that's why unions fundamentally on paper can't work because they're made up of individuals, individuals who care only about themselves. When it comes down to the, to their bare bones, they care about themselves. They could say, well, you know, there's strength in numbers, but at the end of the day, they're looking at their bank account. They're saying, what do I have in retirement? What's going on here? How much am I making? How many days off do we have? Right, but a union is a collective of individuals that. who share right. common desires. The problem so is they can the be more is, effective than one individual arguing yep. with their boss about salary yep. or about. I get, I get the function of them. I do get the function of them, but somebody has to be in charge and see what that person's bank account does after <laughs> they become in charge. See how it changes, and. Uh, What's the answer? I don't have an answer. You know, the answer is, uh, like you said, let the pendulum swing back and forth, you know? And, and that's the great thing about this country is it will self-correct. I do believe that there, there will be a self-correcting. Um, you know, I just, uh, and you hope to be on the upswing of it. You know what I mean? As far as what you do for professionally, you hope to be in the right area. I don't want unions to become so powerful right as I'm hiring like my fifth employee and they're like, Hey, we're talking about unionizing. I'm like, the fuck you are. We're not doing that shit. Not here. You're lucky to have you show a up a minute late one day. Yeah. You're fired. Yeah. Cause you were right. late for cause. Yeah. So, so, right. Right. And they're saying, well, I, I, I demand a redress of grievances. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Well, I get to complain about my job without for the sake of being fired. I'm like, okay. You know, I, I, um, I do also have a problem with the fact that I do believe that the younger generation, the kids at our age, um, might not exactly understand what it means to, I don't know if they're putting in the effort. I'm probably not saying that right. I don't want to say like what everyone else says is that like the young kids, they don't work hard. They don't do this. I think they do. I think it's different. Um, and it's, it's my field. My field's different. You you truly do get what you put into this job. The harder you work, the better you're off. And I know some jobs aren't like that, but um, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is the young kids I'm seeing, the younger 
the generation I'm seeing in this career are not fucking putting the effort in. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to, they don't want to make, they don't want to make, they don't want to make themselves stand out. They don't want to go the extra mile. They don't want to shine above the rest of their peers. They're not fighting to rise above the common rabble. You understand what I'm, I always had that feeling growing up working, obviously in blue collar fields. I always said, I'm going to work twice as hard. I want to rise above. I know I'm getting paid the same. It's not great, but I want to rise above. I want to show my boss what my value is. And I think that attitude might be lost on the younger generation. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're, you're right, but I don't think that's a generational problem. I think honor and duty. That's a human problem. I think I think generations before us had the same, you know, breakdown of go-getters and hard workers and and money makers and those who um, Yeah, you, you might be more right. lazy but it might be that you know what it might be that in this generation we're getting the bums in my field for some reason because everyone went to college. We talked about this in education. So what I'm getting is the people who just have given up on life and they have no other option than to go work for a plumber or go yeah. work for an electrician or a contractor or something like that. So it might just be a disproportionate amount of people. I'm willing to accept that. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So Jim, you did plumbing for a little bit. Uh, I did a relative of ours. Uh, Learned how to plug your experience in the trenches. Into a power tool. How was your, I, I heard you, I heard you didn't. <laughs> I did not No, that. and it was hot as hell that day <laughs> was he was a, not happy it was about a it fail <laughs> when you he dropped it down well, what I did was I put the drill bit in but I couldn't get it to latch so what I did yes. was I just made it you look dropped. like it was in but it wasn't sure. seated I put it right. down yeah <laughs> and he jumped in beads of sweat rolling down his his face red as red as hell and uh, yeah, jumps into yeah. this trench at this, you know, complex and goes to pick it up and <laughs> drill the <laughs> balls out. Oh, man. Luckily, he's Ew. always liked me. He's always uh, been a fan of yeah. mine. So, yeah, yeah the ass chewing was not nearly as bad as I saw for others. But he also yes. told me and another guy to put um, paint thinner in her hair to uh, get the tar out from from doing a um it's true though waterproofing job so yeah that's true though don't do that you will you will burn your scalp pretty good i use i use gasoline i used to get tar in my my hair and uh in my face too i use gasoline take it right off but uh yeah but yeah labor <sighs> who's to say what the future of the workforce is i just hope that um I hope the pendulum swings enough to where we get some kids into this field who uh, are earnest and show willingness and want to show up and say, hey, listen, I know I'm not going to get paid a lot in the beginning. I realize that, but it's an opportunity, right? For fuck's sake. I mean, you're in college for four years. You're not getting paid anything. You're just paying out your ass, but it's the experience, right? It's the, I don't know if that's how college works. I didn't go, but it's, it's, you're doing your time. Right, you're doing your time so you can provide the certificate to say, "Hey, look what I have! I can get this job now." You're doing mm. your time. That's what I also believe that the trade is, and what what it can offer to the labor force out there, if they want it. Agreed. So, do you do you differentiate though in your feelings about union unionizing between a private institution deciding a bunch of John Deere workers to unionize versus? Um, like public unionization. What are your thoughts? I want to go on the record and I want to say that not one public employee deserves the money that they're making. I do not believe any of them should be unionized. They are all way overpaid. You cannot tell me one public sector employee who's getting paid that I would say, that's a fair salary. None of them should be making what they make. And my mother is a bus driver. She's a public sector and, and I tell her every day, you are grossly overpaid, grossly overpaid. And uh, <laughs> when they are collectively bargaining against uh, their employer, that is me, I as the taxpayer, and I don't agree with any of it. And they need to be 
they are grossly firefighters, police officers. I'm sorry. Hey, you guys are my boys. I think you guys are doing a service. You are disgustingly overpaid. Teachers, we've already talked about them. It's horrendous how much they get paid. My dad got paid. He was a he was an inspector, a plumbing inspector. He got paid way too much money. He would take an hour lunch every day and go hiking in the woods. What the fuck is that all about? I eat in my <laughs> truck between one job and the other on my way so I can get to the next job and make money so I can feed my goddamn family. We're giving plumbing inspectors, we're giving them an hour lunch. They do nothing. They do nothing. They walk around and they say, wow, that looks good to me. And they have no, there's, they, they absolutely have no liability. If a plumbing inspector inspects a job and he passes a job that's dangerous and it blows up the house, zero responsibility. Why do we have these people? There's not one public inspector. There's not one. You, you tell me one and you tell me their salary and I will, I will tell you why it's grossly overpaid. Try working. Private sector, do whatever you want. I don't care. You wanna you wanna lobby against your employer, Starbucks. You, you don't you don't have enough cup. What are those little cardboard things that slide over the cups? You're burning Please. your fingers because yeah. you don't have enough coffee sleeves. Or you want to get paid more? That's fine. I mean, that's a fucking entry level job. I don't understand why you want more money. Nobody should be making a career out of Starbucks. I know the economy and people don't go to college and they do this and that. Whatever. Uh, you can do that all day long. I don't care. They want to raise the price of Starbucks coffee to pay for this union. Knock yourselves out. There's plenty of idiots who are already going to Starbucks and paying six dollars for a cup of coffee when you can go to Speedway and get it for a dollar and put whatever you want in it. You can put literally, you go to Speedway and they have like 10 different creamers in the kiosk. You can put, you can put 20, you could fill a whole cup up with creamer and pay a dollar for it. Okay. And you're going to Starbucks, you're out of your fucking mind. But yeah, public sector unions are a joke. And um, I think they should make a comfortable wage. You think they're making more than a comfortable wage? Teachers make about a comfortable wage. No, they don't. Teachers make like, like 40 grand a year. That's that a would comfortable make sense. wage. Yes, that would make sense. It's actually a they, low wage. Okay. $40,000 would make a sense if they worked a whole year and didn't take three months off every year and went home by three o'clock every day. I mean, and Jim, you've been in the classroom, right? I know you went to a real good school. But you, I'm really going to catch some heat for this if there's any teachers listening. But the amount of times that teachers would, 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 uh, you take a test and then my teacher would say, okay, now pass the test to your left. Your, 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 your neighbor's going to grade your test. Yeah. Yeah. I'd look and say, isn't that your fucking job? And then they would wheel in the television so we can watch Free Willy because in science class, it's important that we watch Free Willy about the whale who escaped with, I don't even remember the movie, but, um, just a lot of, lot of sitting around going on. Hey, this week we're going to do public speaking. You know, everyone's going to stand up and do a speech. That's going to be our, our, our thing this year in class or this, this week in class. Meanwhile, the teacher's sitting on his ass that whole fucking week. Do you ever, do you ever think about that when you're doing a week of public speeches? That teacher's <laughs> sitting on his ass doing nothing that whole fucking week. I'm on to you, teachers. I'm fucking on to you. And here's the thing. I had a teacher who didn't give us a mid, I'm, I'm going off on teachers now. I had a teacher in high school who was supposed to teach us government. Mr. Hoover, if you're out there, I hope you're listening. I thought you were a cool dude, but then I grew up and became an adult and I realized you taught us nothing and we loved it. Your classroom was a study hall. We sat and did our homework and nobody was going to rat on you, Mr. Hoover. Nobody was going to say, this guy's not teaching us anything because we were in fucking high school and no one's going to say, this guy's not teaching us what he's supposed to, but he wasn't teaching us. Meanwhile, he was probably getting paid 70 grand a year by my parents who lived in that city paying taxes, and he taught us nothing. We didn't have a midterm or a final, and there are no checks and balances on that. And that's the biggest problem with public sector. When you're not getting paid, I mean, they all have supervisors and stuff, but their ass isn't on the line. You're getting paid from the taxpayer. The person who's paying you is not handing your paycheck to you. They don't, you're not being held directly accountable for the people who actually fund your paycheck because they don't have direct involvement with you. 
That's the issue with public sector unions. Well, I don't you know elect, the guard. Let's use let's use the education example. Let's let's pull the yeah. thread there. You elect okay. school board members who are supposed to be representatives of the community of that elect. Those people, them. those people aren't part of the union though. School boards management. I know that, but they're supposed to approve hirings and they're supposed to, you know, approve but they don't, um, budgeting right. and yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I mean I thought we were talking about unions, but yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Um Go ahead, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say that, you know, there's there are some checks and balances. Um, I mean, there's no, like, at the end of the day, you can't get around people not good at their jobs and not doing their job. And that sounds like what you were referring to. Um, but I'm fine with, like, public sector employees making a, an honest, you know, salary. Like, they shouldn't be, I don't, I don't want, I mean, honestly, there's probably an argument to be made that teachers should be paid more, and then maybe you would get better, quality um teachers you get people that actually um are competent not that there's not competent teachers but you get like you get a higher quality there's a reason that um you know high quality people flock to higher paying jobs um because they make more money and should we value someone who's just moving uh numbers on a spreadsheet and making 500k a year should we value that as a society more than someone who's educating the minds of um, or protecting our streets and, and things of that nature. Um, sure. Maybe, maybe we should, maybe, maybe we shouldn't use compensation as the ultimate form of value to society, but that's the society we live in. It's based on how much you make. And, um, while we still live in that society, um, we need, I think, to have, a reckoning with like what are the most valuable positions in our society i don't think it's the, the people who move you know um money between spreadsheets and make tons yeah. of money i think it's probably I people think that it's, are i like, think it's plumber personally yeah. i mean listen this that's not a i'm not just saying that because i'm a plumber okay audience out there don't don't fucking give me that i'm not just saying that but we are protecting the sanitation of the nation okay there was a time when we didn't have plumbing. You do know that, Jim, right? You were this time? It was called the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. And because okay. we didn't have plumbing and public sanitation, we had a little thing called the bubonic plague. Wiped out a third of Europe's population. I don't know if you're aware. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to evaluate each person's profession, whether it's doing it, especially, like, going back to the to that thread of teachers, like, how do you evaluate well, how good are teachers doing? Is, is it depending on how many people go into higher education, how many well-rounded students we have? I just, with public sector, I have an issue with not knowing what's happening behind the scenes. I know where my taxes, I know how much I pay in taxes, and maybe that's my fault for not being informed enough, but I don't know my city council member. I don't know how much money he makes. You know, I don't know, not that that's, he's in a union, but, uh, that's the problem with the public sector. To me, there's not enough transparency. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should like get rich off working in the public sector. There's, there's, you should be going in the public sector because of, you know, your desire to make a difference and impact things in, in the way yeah, the public right. sector allows you to. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. So, yes, if that's the case, you should have a, a a wage that allows you to live comfortably because we want to keep them in the profession. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I think unions for public sector are a weird thing, personally. I don't really understand, like, my mom would talk about, like, you know, she sat on, like, one of the boards because she was a bus driver at one point. She would talk about, like, people, like, arguing how much money they should be given in a raise and stuff. And I'm like, again, like, to your point, (laughs) you're arguing with a taxpayer. You're not arguing with some, like... But Local, we're not there, Jim. They're arguing know, with council yeah. members. We're not there. Because I'd love to be there and say, wait a minute, homo, what do you get paid? What? Okay, yeah, but you're a bus driver. So what, do you work like 20 hours a week? It's. I know that to, everyone should have a comfortable wage. Yeah, I guess. But you also have to work a full-time job. Some of these jobs, they're not uh, – we can't follow people around and evaluate how much they work, I guess. But – I'd like to see some fucking effort out there. Okay. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see some, and I know we all can't be in the trenches, but um, I want to see some sweat. 
out of these public sector people, right? I want to see some sweat. I want to see something. I want to see some fruit being produced out of this labor. I'm not seeing it, Jim. I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a lot of teachers wheeling in televisions and, 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 you know, um, you know, passing out scantrons. Oh, here you go. Boom. I can tell what you got on your test. Just let me just run it through the scanner there, you know, but, um, but audience out there, what I'm really trying to say is I value all professions. I really do. And I, and I, I, I value my education growing up and, um, some of my best memories are with teachers. Uh, there's just great times, great friends made, great experiences. Uh, I learned a lot. And um, I'm thankful for that. Jim? I fully welcome where we are today in 2022 with a somewhat of a, a change in the dynamic between employer and employee and a hopefully a new beginning of um, employee power and how we look at labor as a society and what work and life infuse into and how um, how we can find some balance between profit margins and quality of life and um, power. Until the machines replace all these jobs, because that's where we're heading, right? Until yeah, and you don't think people break sweat now? You just wait, and, and 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 you know, you'll get to the point you'll walk into a giant eagle, and there will literally be not one living employee in there. Everything will be a robot. They'll check out an automatic kiosk. You'll go to the liquor store. You'll scan your ID, and then it'll drop a bottle of booze in front of you. You pick it up, put it in your thing. Um, then what are you going to fill your time with? What do you mean fill my time with? You're not working. What are you going to fill your time with? I'm still going to be working. They're going to put a robot that does plumbing. That's impossible. Oh, you mean those people? That job won't be available. They'll have to be. They'll have to move on to something else. Well, audience out there, know this. Me and Jim really do feel that you are important. In whatever field or career that you're in, you are important and you are necessary. And the lifeblood of this economy depends on you. Unless you're a teacher, <laughs> then, then you need to get out of that career. It's, a, it's fake. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nobody listens to this that's a teacher. I'm pretty sure that none of our listeners are actually teachers. Hopefully that's not. my own personal that's my own personal hate and bias but uh well jim i think we should wrap it up what do you think sounds good and thank you for listening to the tall glass podcast cheers cheers